following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. Arcanum 2, the High Priestess. Let us remember that the Tarot were originally inscribed in stone. This is a symbolic as well as a literal statement given by Samael on Vior. In the metaphorical level, we know that the stone refers specifically to Yasod, which is the creative sexual energy or the foundation of the tree of life and Kabbalah. To provide a little more background on the nature of the Tarot, I'd like to explain to you some little-known reference within the Quran towards the sacred arcana, which are the immortal laws of the eternal Tarot, especially as they apply to the Divine Mother, the High Priestess, the second arcanum, the subject of our discussion today. We mentioned previously that the Tarot are within all religions, including Islam. The Quran speaks about the Tarot in a very veiled fashion. The Tarot are expressed in the Quran in an implicit manner. But uh, after our explanations, this knowledge will be explicit. The Quran states in Surah 85, verses 13 to 22. This is Al-Buraj, the constellations. Truly it is he who originates and brings back, and he is the forgiving the loving, possessor of the throne, the glorious, doer of whatsoever he will. Hast thou heard tell of the, to- the hosts, Pharaoh and Tamud? Yet those who disbelieve are in denial, and God is behind them, all-encompassing. Nay, it is a glorious Qur'an upon a preserved tablet. The preserved tablet is precisely the Tarot. Since this knowledge was written upon stone and is preserved by the solar initiates in the superior worlds, the Sufi commentators explain how the preserved tablet is the origin of all scripture, the origin of all teaching, whether Judeo Christian, Muslim, etc. 
This preserved tablet is precisely the stone of Yasod upon which the Tarot are inscribed. We mentioned previously that the 22 arcana of the sacred Tarot are precisely the 22 Hebrew letters of the Torah and Kabbalah. As the third book of Enoch states, Receive the 22 letters of the oath, which we can comment, Receive Kabel, the root word for Kabbalah, the 22 Hebrew letters of the oath of sexual magic. The word Kabel means to receive knowledge from divinity directly through awakening consciousness. Likewise, Muhammad received Al-Qur'an upon Mount Hira, or Jabal Nur, the mountain of light. So he received Kabel, the scripture, the law, the Qur'an, the recitation. Which signifies to speak, to pronounce, to convey. Precisely the Qur'an, the Bible, and the Bhagavad Gita, the world scriptures, whether from east or west, originate from this preserved tablet, which certain Sufis stated is called the mother of the book, or the high priestess, the divine mother of the Torah. Al-Qushari explains that this Surah 85, verses 13 to 22, the reference to the preserved tablet, is explained by Surah 29, Verse 49. Nay, it is but clear signs in the breasts of those who have been given knowledge. Marifa in Arabic, Gnosis in Greek, Laat in Hebrew. And none reject our signs save the wrongdoers. So, what is this preserved tablet upon which the teachings of all traditions are founded? The Torah are principles, archetypes, forces, laws of nature which need to be inscribed in our own stone, our body, wherein we find the cubic stone of Yasod, the sexual energy. It is precisely Yasod that provides Genesis, which generates every scripture, which gives birth to every prophet. This is why Gabriel, the angel and power of the moon, Yasod, announces the birth of every great initiate, since it is through the lunar creative sexual force that one accomplishes the genesis of the soul. We mentioned that the Tarot can be presented in a deck, like the one we have available through Glorian Publishing. The Tarot, however, are not limited to a deck, through a set of cards, because these laws are archetypes, experiences, blueprints for the creation of the soul, qualities of being, which are symbolized by the images of the cards. We don't find the real tarot within a physical deck, but in higher dimensions, within the internal planes. In the internal worlds, divinity uses this symbolic language, Kabbalah, to convey profound truths about our spiritual development, the dangers, the warnings, the inspirations. Therefore, We study Kabbalah to be well-versed in communication with the inner being, face-to-face, just as Moses received the 22 arcana or commandments of God upon Mount Sinai. Some people say he received 10, but the truth is that he received 22 in relation to the major arcana of the Torah. Similarly, Jesus received the verb within the Jordan when he was baptized by John. 
Likewise, Muhammad, the Qur'an, the recitation, the pronunciation, the word, from Gabriel, Jibril. The word Gabriel is alchemical and Kabbalistic. Geburael. Gibur means strength, severity, or justice, relating to the sphere of uh, Geburah on the tree of life. Ra is the solar divinity of Egypt, and El in Hebrew means God, spirit. So what is this Gibur, the swastika, the cross in motion, the alchemical union of man and woman? From this cross of alchemy, the junction of the vertical phallus and the horizontal uterus, those energies, when conserved and never expelled, generate life. Those forces enter into action, into movement, through breath, through spirit, through the Hebrew letter Aleph or the Arabic Alif. That spinning cross is precisely the Hebrew letter Aleph that we spoke about previously. When the wind, the prana, the breath, the creative energies of God are in movement, they initiate and begin a new life. A prophet who proclaims the scriptures, who speaks, is using Aleph because he's initiating others into the teaching. So when Muhammad received the Qur'an through distinct revelations, he precisely embodied its principles, its arcana, through the descent of those forces and their subsequent return up the spine, through the path of initiation, which is symbolized by the Arabic Alif. Notice that Alif is a straight line symbolizing the spine through which the prana, the creative energy, ascends. Every master, like Muhammad, works with the creative energy in the spine. The same with all prophets, since they are all children of the stone of Yasod, the preserved tablet, the mother of the book. These arcana are inscribed upon a preserved tablet, which the esoteric Muslims or the Sufis explain is a scripture that the angels, the masters, recite and study before the highest divinity, Allah. Every scripture in the world is based on a detailed understanding of the 22 arcana, which is a knowledge preserved and understood within the internal worlds. The knowledge is internal. The tarot are internal. They are symbols of forces. And for today's lecture, we are exploring the mother of the book, the second arcanum of the Tarot, the High Priestess, the mother of the Tarot, who is inside of us. Her law and laws must be inscribed within the temple of our body, heart, mind, and soul especially. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy Torah, thy Torah is within my heart. From Psalms chapter 40, verse 8. Remember that Kabbalah is dual in nature and that there are two forms of Kabbalists. There are the intellectual Kabbalists and there are the intuitive Kabbalists. The intellectual Kabbalists are sorcerers, black magicians, fornicators, those who do not conserve the sacred waters of God within the sexual act, those who perform black sexual magic or tantrism. The intellectual Kabbalists store a lot of scripture, knowledge, and teachings given by Moses, other rabbis, etc. And yet they are exclusively limited to the intellect. That is all they know. They have a lot of book knowledge, 
lectures, teachings, etc. in the mind. But what distinguishes them is their lack of direct experience of what they've read. They have not verified the truths of divinity in those teachings. Those intellectual Kabbalists who fill the mind with that information know nothing of God since they have not received Kabel, Kabbalah, the wisdom of divinity, directly within the higher dimensions. Those who receive conscious knowledge, Da'at, Marifa, Gnosis, are intuitive Kabbalists. They know what they have read about specifically through meditation and astral travel. So the Quran teaches us this principle very beautifully in relation to our Kanam too. This is from Al-Imran, Surah 3, verse 7. He it is who has sent down the book upon thee. Therein are signs, verses, determined. They are the mother of the book, the Torah, the high priestess, and others symbolic. As for those whose hearts are given to swerving, they follow that of it which is symbolic, seeking temptation and seeking its interpretation. And none know its interpretation save God and those firmly rooted in knowledge. Marifa in Arabic, Gnosis in Greek, Da'at in Hebrew, which is the hidden sufferer on the tree of life, hidden within the throat whereby the verb is gestated, the power of the tree of knowledge. They say, we believe in it. All of it is from our Lord. And none remember save those possessors of intellect. Again, this is Surah Imran, verse 7. The last phrase, possessors of intellect, is an inadequate translation. The original Arabic is Ulud al-Bab, possessors of kernels or seeds. An intuitive Kabbalist can see into the core of things, into their seed, their root nature. This is the nature of intuition, to perceive and interpret the experiences of divinity directly, without the interference of the mind. We do so precisely working with the sexual seed, the seed of life. Intuitive Kabbalists also see into and interpret the heart or core of any doctrine, any knowledge, any dimension, precisely since they develop the power of prophecy founded upon Yasod. But those Kabbalists who only study the exterior aspect of things, the shells or appearances of phenomena, are exclusively intellectual. These people are superficial. They don't see the insides of their teachings, whether of Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Gnosis, etc. We must learn to be profound, to learn to dive into the depths of any knowledge, to extract its seed, its essence, through transmutation, meditation, and direct experience. Those who possess the shells and not the seeds are the black magicians, the intellectual Kabbalists who dwell in the klipot, which in Hebrew literally means shells. It is the world of shells. A shell without a seed is empty of nourishment, of any spiritual sustenance, of any genuine reality. The hell realms are empty of any spiritual being. So in the infernal worlds, one can have knowledge, but only of the inferior aspect of things, 
through the shells of the ego. Every ego is a shell that traps consciousness in perdition, in the infra-dimensions. That we must learn to comprehend and transcend through the psychological work. The Divine Mother, the High Priestess of the Tarot, helps us to eliminate the shells of the ego so that we can extract the seed, the consciousness, the intuitive principles or arcana of the soul to know the tree of life directly from experience. This is how we are liberated from suffering. Through this work of joyful perseverance, of comprehension and elimination of our defects, we create the music of the soul. Now you can comprehend the basis of Tchaikovsky's famous Nutcracker Suite. You must crack the shells of the ego to develop the beauty and symphony of the consciousness. In this manner you will awaken consciousness in order to receive the knowledge of the superior worlds, synthesized through the 22 major arcana of the Torah. For as the third book of Enoch states, Receive, Kabel, Kabbalah, the 22 letters of the oath, With the first arcanum, we learn to descend in order to reascend. We must enter Klipot and comprehend all the shells that condition our understanding. With arcanum 2, we learn to work with the Divine Mother, the occult science that liberates. The following verses are from Surah Al-Waqiyah, the event, Surah 56, verses 71 to 80. Have you considered the fire that you kindle? Or we can say, have you considered the sexual fire that you kindle? Is it you who brought it into being the tree of, of thereof? Or we can say the tree of life. Or is it we who bring it into being? Divinity bringing it into manifestation. We made it a reminder and an enjoyment for the desert dwellers. Meaning anyone who traverses the wilderness of initiation, Bemidbar in Hebrew, through working with Debar, the word. So glorify the name of thy Lord, the Magnificent. I swear by the places where the stars descend. Remember that the magician orders the soul to descend, then to return, ascend with glory. And truly it is a magnificent path, if you but knew. Truly it is a noble Quran and a book concealed. Which, we say in between the lines, are the Torah, which have not been unveiled until recently. None touch it save those made pure through chastity, a revelation from the Lord of the worlds. Again, that's Surah Al-Waqiyah. The book concealed is another name for the preserved tablet. The 22 major arcana, which serve as the basis for every major religion, without exception. This knowledge of the Torah, the book concealed, hidden within the scriptures and the higher dimensions, was not made public until recent decades, specifically through the writings of Samael on Vior. Remember that it was forbidden to teach alchemy in public during the era of Pisces. But now we are in the era of Aquarius, the water carrier, whereby the tarot is now being explained for the first time. So the mother of the book is the occult science, the Divine Mother Kundalini, represented by the second arcanum, known as the sacred cow or heifer, within the second surah of the Qur'an, of which we will be discussing in detail today.
The number two is precisely the feminine, the receptive or negative force that unfolds from the masculine, the projective or the positive force within the higher dimensions. The difference in forces from the higher planes manifests also within our physicality through the division of sexes. The father could not create life if it were not for the mother. Man and wife cannot be priest and priestess of creation without each other. As above, so below. We see here in this image the tree of life and a representation of man and woman with the image of the infinite, the holy eight, transposed over their bodies. Before speaking about the microcosmos, the human being, I'd like to first discuss the macrocosmos, the universe at large. The universe emerges because of the Divine Father and Divine Mother, who are unified and described in the Kabbalah through the unmanifested, the Ain Sof, which in Hebrew translates as the limitless. In Kabbalah, our Ain Sof is our superatomic star, a primordial in an eternal point of superdivine, uncreated light that shines within the absolute abstract space. Ain Sof is the essential root of our being, the root of our existence, which is profound, unconditioned, and limitless super-divine happiness. Ain Sof is referenced as the star of Bethlehem that guided the three magi towards the birthplace of Christ. Bet, as we are going to elaborate upon today, is the second Hebrew letter of Kabbalah, signifying a house, as well as wisdom. Bethlehem literally means house of bread, indicating that the light of Christ, the sphere of chokmah, wisdom, is the solar energy, manifested specifically within the Eucharist, the bread of wisdom that gives life to our soul. The house of wisdom is precisely the esoteric knowledge of the second arcanum, since through the power of the Divine Mother is how Christ is born in us. Our body is a manger or house in which the solar light of Christ can be born if we know how to practice this wisdom properly. But let us discuss how Lechem, this bread of wisdom, first emerges into the universe. Christ, the light of divinity, first emerges from the Ein Sof, as the Ein Sof Aur, the limitless light. This undifferentiated, uncreated light to create the universe first manifests as Keter, a Yod, or point of light. The tenth Hebrew letter and tenth Sephirah from the bottom to the top of the tree of life. Remember that in the magician card, Keter shows one aspect or side of his face. Keter is known in Kabbalah as Arik Ampin, the vast countenance, or the vast face. This indicates that one part of him is knowable in this universe through the tree of life. The other side of his face is obscured, hidden within the absolute as the unmanifested, the Ein Sof. Keter is the first manifestation of the uncreated light into the universe. This light, manifested as Keter, unfolds into Chokmah, his son. From Chokmah emerges Bina, 
Behold, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to use Christian terms for the primordial forces of creation. The main trinity represented in this graphic is composed of Keter, Chokmah, Binah, or Father, Son, Holy Spirit, within the world of archetypes or splendors, Atzilut. This world in Kabbalah is a potential world, whereby the principles of divinity have not yet entered its manifestation or creation. These forces constitute a unity in the world of archetypes, Atzilut, before these forces manifest as three, in order to create life. Remember that within Keter is Chokmah and Binah. Within Chokmah is Keter and Binah. And within Binah is Keter and Chokmah. This unity is indivisible, but manifests in three ways. For the unity to create, it expresses itself as three, the number associated with Genesis and creation. Binah, the Holy Spirit, has a masculine and feminine aspect, known as Abba and Aima Elohim, father and mother, synthesized in the sacred name of this sufferer, Jehovah Elohim which literally means Jehovah, gods and goddesses. From the masculine aspect of Binah emerges the feminine aspect of divinity, the Divine Mother, and through their union in Da'at, Bria, the world of creation, produce their son, Chesed, the spirit. For that light to create the tree of life in its totality, such a light must manifest through the power of Father-Mother, in the world of Bria, or Da'at, the mysterious alchemical tree of knowledge of good and evil, to create all things. Before the Logos can create, Father must unfold into Mother within Bina. So behold the second form of the Holy Trinity, in this case, Father, Mother, and Son, which has its center of gravity in Bina and which is empowered for the mystical sphere of Da'at. Da'at is the Kabbalistic world of Bria, the world of creation, wherein the Sephiroth, the worlds of formation, or Yetzirah, emerge. When Binah unfolds himself into the Divine Feminine, they create, through the science of Da'at, to engender the spirit, Chesed. The world of Da'at is the world of creation, Bria in Kabbalah, whereby Osiris, the father, and Isis, the mother, joined to create the son, Aurus. In synthesis, all of this is contained and implied within the Arcana. The magician unfolding into the high priestess forms the second Arcanum of the Torah. Be careful not to mix up the trinities. One triunity in the world of Atzilut, splendorous archetypes, and another in the world of Bria, creation. This is a very deep teaching and it requires a lot of intuition to comprehend fully and deeply. Father, Mother, and Son create the tree of life, the lower Sephiroth, or world of Yetzirah, formation. And this light enters more dense forms of materiality, energy, and experience. Down the tree of life, the Sephiroth, or emanations of this diagram, until reaching the physical plane, Malkut. Malkut represents the world of matter and action, the fourth and final world of Kabbalah, Asiya, 
which has been wrongly translated as Asia in the scriptures. The light emerges from the absolute and forms the tree of life so that our superatomic star, our Ain Sof, can acquire knowledge as well as understanding of its own divine happiness by returning that light from below back to itself. The Ain Sof of most people does not yet have comprehension, cognizance of its own happiness. Self-realization exists within the Ain Sof when the soul has performed the great work. An Ain Sof with cognizance of itself is known as Ain Sof Paranishpana. The word Paranishpana signifies absolute cognizance of one's absolute happiness. But for this to occur, the disciple must return that light that is in Malkut, their physical house, inward and up the tree of life, the different Sephiroth, through the work of the Divine Mother that we are explaining. To return up the tree of life, back to our Ain Sof, we must become Malakim, or Malakot, kings or queens, priests or priestesses, practical magicians who harness the forces of our physical body, Malkut, our house, or Bet, this is to acquire wisdom and enlightenment of each sufferer, each level of creation, until returning to our source, which is our origin. Our Ain Sof is also a house, but it's empty, uninhabited, without realization, we can say. The being is absolute happiness, yet lacks cognizance of this absolute happiness. It is an empty house. Our Ain Sof needs us to return, to reflect its own happiness through us, so as to know itself. It is uninhabited by the soul, the consciousness, which can serve as a mirror for one's superatomic star to perceive itself completely. The Sufis refer to the Ain Sof with the separated Arabic letter Alif in the sacred name of God, Allah. This alif is the nothingness, the sacred breath, the cosmic space, as well as the Ain Sof, which is why in Islam, no statues or images can be made of Allah, because no one can anthropomorphize space or the uncreated light. This limitless space or uncreated light is precisely the Kabbalistic Ain Sof, The rest of the sacred name of God in Islam refers to the manifested expression of the light, the tree of life, which is signified by Lam, Lam, and Ha. The Arabic Lam, or the Hebrew Lamed, refers to the tongue, to speech, to the manifested creative verb. The Arabic Ha, or the Hebrew He, can also refer to the breath, but this specifically is in relation to the materialization of the cosmic breath into matter. Therefore, recitation within Islam is so prominent because it refers to the manifested expression of divine light from the ennoble cosmic space, the power of the creative verb. This cosmic space is called Mula Prakriti 
in Hinduism. It is the universal space of the Divine Mother, within whom is the bosom of the universal, cosmic, common, eternal Father. The Quran speaks of Prophet Muhammad's night journey up the seven heavens or seven dimensions of the tree of life towards the sacred house, the Ain Sof. We too must learn to perform Hajj or pilgrimage to the sacred house, the Ain Sof, which is represented by the sacred Kaaba, the stone of Mecca, which is obligatory for every Muslim or solar initiate to visit. This duty, Hajj, represents the achievement of self-realization or Ain Sof Paranishpana. The Prophet's night journey, Al-Miraj, is described in the following verses of Surah 53 on Lajim, the star. This is verses 1 through 18. By the star when it descends, your companion Muhammad has not strayed, nor has he erred. Nor does he speak from his own inclination. It is not but a revelation revealed, taught to him one by, taught to him by one intense in strength, one of soundness. And he rose to his true form while he was in the higher part of the horizon. Then he approached and descended, and was at a distance of two bow lengths or nearer. And we comment here that this is because the second letter of Arabic is ba, equivalent to the Hebrew bet signifying the sacred house and wisdom. And he revealed to his servant what he revealed. The heart did not lie about what it saw. So will you dispute with him over what he saw? And certainly saw him in another descent at the low tree of the utmost boundary, which uh, between brackets is the Arain Sof. Near it is the garden of refuge, which we can say is the unmanifested Ain. When there covered the low tree that which covered it, the sight of the prophet did not swerve, nor did it transgress its limit. He certainly saw of the greatest signs of his Lord. From the Surah of the Star, verses 1 through 18. So there's a limit to how far the prophets and angels can go towards the heights, which is represented by the low tree of the utmost boundary. The past not ring cited by Blavatsky in her writings. Many initiates reach the Ain Sof, but uh, further sacrifice is needed to enter the Ain, the unmanifested absolute. To enter the bosom of the cosmic common eternal father, the sacred space, the unmanifested absolute or Ain is very hard to achieve. However, before we can worry about that, we must unite with our own particular Ain Sof. Regarding the path of self-realization, Ibn Arabi, the great Sufi master, explained that only Allah, Ain Sof, our superatomic star, can comprehend himself through the perfected soul. The following excerpt that I'm going to read is from Treatise on the One Alone by Ibn Arabi, Kitab al-Hadiyya. When one looks into a mirror, one sees oneself. Whatever appears on you appears on the image in the mirror. When you look upon your image in the mirror, your image is looking upon you. Naturally, the eye that looks at you from the mirror is your eye. 
Then, when the image in the mirror looks at you, is it not true that you are looking at yourself with your own eyes? If the name of the one who is looking in the mirror is Ahmad, and if the image in the mirror could speak and say, I am Ahmad, it would be telling the truth. Yet, as the image is reflecting, so would be the words. It would not be the image that calls itself Ahmad, but the one who is looking into the mirror. So if someone says, I am the truth, do not hear it from any other than the truth himself. For it is not a man who says it, it is the word of Allah. That man who utters these words is nothing but an image reflected upon an empty mirror, one of the infinite attributes of Allah. The reflection is the same as that which is being reflected, and the words of the image are the reflected words of the real one. The void, which we can say in parentheses, is emptiness of the consciousness, is a mirror. The creation is the image in it. Man is as the eye of the image reflected in the mirror. The one who is reflected in the image is hidden in the pupil of that eye. Thus, he sees himself. Then, here Ibn Arabi quotes, Shaikh al-Mahmud Shabustari. He is the one who sees. He is the eye. He is the one who is seen. And Ibn Arabi concludes, only the one who has the eyes of his heart open will understand these words. So if you want to understand what it means to reflect the light of your Ain Sof, you must develop your heart. Tifereth, the beauty of the perfected soul. The Quran also speaks about the Ain Sof as the house inhabited, meaning an Ain Sof with realization. Ain Sof Paranishpana. This is from Surat Al-Tur, the Mount, verses 1-7. through seven. In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. By the Mount of Initiation, and by a book inscribed, referring to the preserved tablet, or tarot inscribed in stone. On parchment outspread, by the house inhabited, Ein Sof Pananishpana, by the canopy of the sky raised. And here uh, it's important to note that the skies and the internal planes and the astral world represent your level of being, the qualities of your mind. And by the sea swelling over, truly thy Lord's punishment shall come to pass. Again, Surat Al-Tur from the Quran. By climbing the mountain of initiation, we ascend the tree of life towards higher and higher levels of being, until finally uniting with the longed-for goal, the Ain Sof. Once we return to our Ain Sof, we've inhabited our house once again, our true home. As uh, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz exclaimed, there's no place like home. She, of course, represents our soul, which has traveled the straight and narrow path, the yellow brick road of wisdom, Gnosis, until reaching her true origin. She accomplishes this through the silver slippers, which in the film are red, which is a fine interpretation. The one who uh, guides her in secret is Glinda, which is a reference to the science of the Divine Mother, who is the good witch of the North, 
The sacred mantra relating to the north is E-A-O, the sacred name of God in Latin, or Jehovah in Hebrew. Within the Divine Mother, signified by the mantra Ram-E-O, is the Divine Father, who is in secret. Slippers represent the mysteries of Yasod in the Kabbalah, since this is how we genuinely walk the path of initiation. Silver relates to the science of Hermes, Mercury, his winged boots that allow him to ascend and descend throughout the entire tree of life at will. Once we work with the science of Mercury and the Divine Mother, we acquire the capacity to leave our egotistical dreams behind and to return to our spiritual house. Bet, Na'in Sof. Let us discuss the nature of the number two in relation to duality in the high priestess of the Torah. The sign of the infinite is the magical symbol of tantrism, sexual alchemy. The sign of the infinite unites all three of our psychological and physiological centers, which in Gnostic psychology we call the three brains, the intellect, the emotions, and the sexual organs. These centers relate to Netzach, the mental body or mind, Hod, the emotional body or heart, and Yesod, the vital body intimately related with the energies that we have in our sexual organs. These three vehicles relate to what we call our three brains within our physicality. Let us remember that the tree of life is a map of divinity and ourselves. To talk about the Divine Mother, the feminine aspect of God, we must remember that this tree of life manifests, emerges, because of the first card of the Tarot. The magician initiates, creates, begins. But to do so, he unfolds into his Divine Spouse, Devi Kundalini. Man and woman, with their three brains, united through the sexual act, can work to return inward and upward back to their own superatomic star. If you take the two signs of the Holy Eight from both man and woman and cross them, one horizontal and the other vertical, you form a famous symbol of Buddhism, the Dorje, which is a tantric representation of sexual union, the vertical phallus with the horizontal uterus. The bell in Tibetan Buddhism represents the feminine sexual organs, the yoni. Both bell and dorje together form the foundation of all spiritual realization, or Ein Sof Paranishpana. So the science of the second arcanum is the path of sexuality, the Divine Mother Kundalini, who, in most people, sleeps in the Chakra Muladhara, coiled three and a half times within this center, awaiting the moment of its awakening through sexual alchemy, white tantrism between husband and wife. Just as man and woman can create a physical child through sex, likewise we create the perfected soul through sexual union with the conservation and sublimation of that seminal matter into divine Christic energy.
If we want to return to our own particular unity, the Ein Sof, we must work with the duality, man and woman. Ein Sof is a perfect unity, whose light unfolds into duality, but also a trinity, in order to produce the creation of the universe. If we want to return to our origin, we must work in the perfect matrimony, because to create spiritually, we need our sexual complement through a member of the opposite sex. Both masculine and feminine polarities are required for creation, both of a physical child as well as the soul. The most notable feature of this glyph, this arcanum, besides the feminine figure seated in contemplation, are the two columns of the temple, which in masonry remind us of Joaquin and Boaz, the white and the black pillars. Joaquin is masculine. Boaz is feminine. The pillars are reversed in this image in order to demonstrate that the popus of the tarot, the high priestess, is looking out from within the temple and that we as disciples are viewing her from the inside of the temple looking out. This is because Joaquin, the white pillar of mercy, is in reality the right-hand pillar of the tree of life, which consists of Chokmah, Chesed, and Etzach. Whereas Boaz, the black pillar of severity, is the left-hand pillar of the tree of life, consisting of Binah, Geburah, and Hod. Notice also that the pillars Jaquin and Boaz are in the waters, the bottom third of the card. The Divine Mother is the force that reconciliates, who sits within the middle of the temple, emphasizing to us the spinal medulla in our body wherein she rises to the alchemical science. She manifests in the middle pillar through our works, the middle pillar consisting of Keter, Da'at, Tiferet, Yesod, and Malkut. What do these two columns symbolize for us? Jaquin represents the man, mercy. Boaz represents the woman, severity. These two columns support the temple of every mystery. Notice that with the image of this temple's pillars, there are four sections each, representing for us the lower four bodies of the human being, the lower four vehicles of the consciousness, the inferior quaternary. Those lower four vehicles or bodies are described in the tree of life as Malkut, the physical body, Yesod, the vital body, Hod, the astral or emotional body, and Netzach, the mind or mental body. These two pillars must have space between them, as Samael and Vior emphasizes in his books, as well as the poet Khalil Gibran, who explains the nature of these two pillars very beautifully in a work known as The Prophet. I'd like to relate to you a poem from this text to emphasize how man and woman balance each other in the relationship. They must not be too close with sentimentalism or attachment, 
nor too far apart with distance, self-importance, coldness, etc. They must find balance within each other and themselves. The masculine projective force finds his equilibrium and harmony through the receptive force and vice versa. Here's the poem with some minor commentary, exegesis, or explanation between the lines. Since Khalil Gibran teaches Kabbalah and alchemy in a very veiled form. This is from the Prophet, a chapter entitled On Marriage. You were born together, and together you shall be forevermore. You shall be together when the white wings of death scatter your days. I, you shall be together even in the silent memory of God which we can say is when we as a soul are submerged in the Ain Sof during the Mahapralaya, the cosmic night. But let there be spaces in your togetherness, and let the winds of the heavens dance between you, which we can say are the Aleph, the Prana, the winds of God. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Fill each other's cup, but drink not from one cup. Give one another of your bread, but eat not from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each one of you be alone. Even as the strings of a lute are alone, though they quiver with the same music. Which we can say is a reference to Paul of Tarsus, who indicated that those who are single should live as if they are married to the Divine Mother. And the married should live like they are single, who are chaste. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping. For only the hand of life can contain your hearts. Or we can say the absolute universal spirit of life, the unmanifested Ain. And stand together, yet not too near together. For the pillars of the temple stand apart. And the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. Husband and wife must find their equilibrium in their matrimony. Not only on a physical level, but sexual, emotional, mental, and volitional, relating to will. Or there will be imbalance and unhappiness. In the magician card, the priest was standing. But with the high priestess, she is sitting. Her posture signifies the feminine aspect of divinity, which is receptive, passive, nurturing. She holds an open book, the preserved tablet, which is the Kabbalah, the mystical science at the heart of all religions. Here we literally see the mother of the book, the divine mother or the feminine aspect of divinity, who is alluded to or referenced to in the Quran. She has a Tao cross of Venus upon her breast, indicating that she carries the milk of wisdom, spiritual sustenance, the nourishment of the soul. She is the Kabbalistic Shekinah, the exiled power of Israel that can liberate and reconcile the true Jews, the intuitive Kabbalists, with 
heaven, the divine. From her breast is the milk of real knowledge, which is experiential. It's what we verify. It's what we know from facts. That sustenance she gives to her son or daughter emerges within us as a result of meditation, without exception. When we are face to face with our Divine Mother, speaking to her, receiving the insights and symbols of dreams from her directly, that's how we nourish our soul. Milk, as wisdom, is a substance that also resembles semen, whether in man or woman. The milk also represents the divine virtues we create through learning to transmute our sexual energies, which is the transformation of base material or semen into the light of enlightened consciousness. This is accomplished through Venus, the goddess of love. Venus Aphrodite is the beauty of our divine mother, who is manifested in our hearts, Tifereth. She provides beauty to the soul itself when we learn to work with her intimately, cognizantly. Tifereth, our human soul, or human consciousness, or willpower, astrologically relates to Venus and the sun. The secret mantra of Tifereth in Kabbalah is Eloah va da'at yod he vau he Goddess of Knowledge, Jehovah. So who is this goddess of knowledge that resides in our heart temple? Our Divine Mother, the Popis or High Priestess of the Tarot. She enters and manifests in our heart through sexual magic, white tantrism, the science of alchemy with its sacred mantras. Upon her head is a serpent, indicating how she has raised that power of the serpent within us to the mind and that this feminine figure is a master. She also has a veil over her face, referring to the veil of Isis. This means that the genuine mysteries of God can only be known through meditation, that we must tear the veil through alchemy, meditation, and more specifically the death of our desires, our defects, our ego. Beethoven had an image of the Divine Mother, the Divine Feminine, above his desk, where he would uh, compose. Upon this painting was inscribed, in his own hand, the hermetic axiom of the goddess Neet, the Egyptian Divine Mother, from the temple of this female, uh, female divinity from ancient times. I am all that was, is, and shall be, and no mortal hath lifted my veil. So clearly, Beethoven was a Freemason. He knew this knowledge very well, and he even depicted the tarot in his music, in accordance with his nine completed symphonies, or the nine heavens or Sephiroth above Malkut, whereby he would slowly unveil the mysteries of Isis in his uh, compositions. For those who have an ear to hear, what the Spirit saith unto the churches, the chakras of revelation. So the veil of Isis can only be lifted from the path of purification within our psyche. Sanctification and purity are the two essential requirements for knowing and experiencing the mysteries of the High Priestess of the Tarot. Sanctification signifies death of the ego, specifically through daily meditation. To purify means to be chaste, to not waste the sexual energy, to never expel it. 
To expel that energy is to be expelled from the temple of the Divine Mother because the power of the Divine Mother is chastity, sexual purity. Upon her head are the horns of the bull Apis, which relates to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jehovah Elohim in Kabbalah, is masculine feminine, signified by the masculine feminine suffix of the word Elohim. El is masculine, Eloah is feminine. Yod Mem is the plural ending of the word Elohim, which in synthesis means gods and goddesses. So the Divine Mother Kundalini Shakti is the feminine aspect of the Holy Spirit. She is the spouse of Shiva. The masculine aspect of the Holy Spirit, Shiva, is also known as Abba Elohim. And the feminine is Aima Elohim. Abba means Father, as in Christ's prayer before His Passion. From the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 39. Abba, Father, if it be possible, pass this cup of bitterness from me, but not my will, but thine be done. We know that the cup is a symbol of the yoni, the feminine sexual organs, the path of the Divine Mother, which is painful to the mind and ego, because through the alchemical work, our desires must die. Aima means mother and is signified by the Holy Grail, the cup of the mysteries, wherein is contained the milk or the mana of wisdom. So the unification of Abba and Aima Elohim implied that the unity of the first and the second arcana of the Tarot produces the third arcanum, the Empress or the Christified Soul, the perfected consciousness which will be the topic of our next lecture. The Divine Mother has always been represented by uh, the feminine cow in many faiths. Milk, as referenced in the second arcanum, is an element abundant in cows, which we find represented in Hinduism by Krishna, the cowherd, a symbol of Christ, who nourishes himself through the seminal energies. We likewise find reference to the Divine Mother in the longest surah of the Quran, Al-Baqarah, the heifer or cow. This surah mentions how the powers of the sacred cow, the Divine Mother, can resuscitate the dead. This is a symbol of how the alchemical wisdom can bring those who are spiritually dead filled with ego, back to spiritual life. In this passage, Moses is speaking before the unbelieving people of Israel and the need to slaughter a cow to achieve redemption. This does not make much sense literally, but if you understand that the cow represents the science of our Divine Mother, the real meaning is clear. The solar initiates must, of course, slaughter the animal ego, in order to be reborn spiritually. This is represented by the slaughtering of the cow in Surah 2, Al-Baqarah, which directly references the science and mysteries of Arcanum 2. The following verses are 67 through 74. 
from Surah 2. And recall when Moses said to his people, Indeed, Allah commands you to slaughter a cow. They said, Do you take us in ridicule? He said, I seek refuge in Allah from being among the ignorant. They said, Call upon your Lord to make us clear what it is. Moses said, Allah says it is a cow which is neither old nor virgin, but median between that. So do what you are commanded. Between the lines, we can say, the cow is neither old nor virgin, but a middle ground, representing us. To begin the alchemical work, we should not be too old, but neither too young. Like adolescents who should be virginal, yet in today's age are not, obviously. The proper age to begin sexual magic is 21 for men and 18 for women, since women tend to mature faster biologically. The Quran continues. They said, Call upon your Lord to show us what is her color. He said, He says, It is a yellow color, a yellow cow, bright in color, pleasing to the observers. The color yellow in esotericism symbolizes objective knowledge or wisdom of the solar mind, the Christic path. They said, Call upon your Lord to make us clear what it is. Indeed, all cows look alike to us. And indeed, we, if Allah wills, will be guided. Moses said, He says, It is a cow neither trained to plow the earth nor to irrigate the field, one free from fault, with no spot upon her. We can say that to be free from fault indicates that the power of our Divine Mother is pure, chaste, without blemish. They said, Now you have come with the truth. So they slaughtered her. Or better we can say, they slaughtered the ego through her power. But they could hardly do it, the Quran states, because the work against our ego is very painful, very difficult. The Quran continues. And recall when you slew a man and disputed over it, but Allah was to bring out that which you were concealing. All of us are guilty, we can say, of slaying the image of the internal man, the true divine human being within us, through fornication. Afterward, we constantly dispute about it. We always justify our degeneration with excuses. We always conceal our degeneration from others out of shame. When in truth, the being, Allah, knows how filthy our hearts and our minds are. The Quran continues. So we said, strike the slain man with part of it. Thus does Allah bring the dead to life. And he shows you his signs that you might reason. So as we mentioned, all of us are dead because the spirit has been killed within us. We are all dead because of our ego, spiritually. Therefore, the power of our Divine Mother can awaken and liberate us. The power of the Holy Cow. This passage also indicates that when we die to the ego, we resurrect within the Holy Spirit which occurs at the end of the second mountain. All of this is for people with reason, or better said, solar intelligence. 
those possessors of kernels or intellect that we mentioned earlier. The Quran continues. Then your hearts became hardened after that, being like stones or even harder. Because despite being taught the signs of alchemy, we can say the followers of Moses remain fornicators, most of them. For indeed, there are stones from which rivers burst forth, and there are some of them that split open and water comes out. And there are some of them that fall down for fear of Allah. And Allah is not unaware of what you do. So what are these stones from which rivers gush forth? The stones of the testicles or ovaries. The stone of Yasod. Which the seminal waters emerge. Remember that the word stones is slang for gonads. Macau in Spanish is Labaca. Spell Labaca backwards and you spell Kabbalah, the teachings of the cow, the mystical science of Judaism and of Shekinah, the mother of the book. Labaca can also refer to the Kaaba, the sacred stone of the Muslims, which represents for us the mysteries of the stone of Yasod the creative sexual energy. Baka literally means subsistence in Arabic. To have spiritual substance, to subsist within the being, to self-realize the being. We must first work with what the Sufis denominate as fanna, which in Arabic literally means annihilation. To be in the being, you must first die as an ego. Regarding the horns of the bull, horns have a dualistic significance in esotericism. They can refer to our egotism, our own satanic qualities, our animality. Horns in the positive sense can be represented by the horns of light, representing levels of self-realization within the being. These horns of light were seen radiating from the head of Moses as he descended Mount Sinai after he received the Ten Commandments from above. Michelangelo chiseled a statue of Moses to represent the horns of light, of wisdom, which are obtained by any solar initiate who completes the mountain of resurrection. We too must chisel the stone of Yasod, our sexual energies, with willpower and intelligence, so as to provide perfect cubic shape to serve as the foundation of our inner temple, as represented by Arcanum II. We must ensure that the power of the two pillars within the waters of the card are perfected. All four levels of each pillar must be perfected, signifying the purification of the physical, vital, astral, and mental bodies, or the lower quaternary of Kabbalah, the four bodies of sin. We accomplish this work through the hammer of willpower and the chisel of imagination, of intelligence, wisdom, in order to give perfect shape to the soul. With the first arcanum of the tarot, we work with the hammer of willpower, concentration, the magician. We initiate and begin this work. We direct our willpower in the spiritual endeavor. 
The second arcanum of the tarot is intelligence, imagination, the chisel of understanding by which we focus our willpower so as to give perfect shape to our stone. The Divine Mother is the force of imagination itself. She is the capacity to perceive non-physical, psychic or spiritual imagery within meditation and the higher planes. Imagination simply is the ability to perceive, especially images in the mind's eye, whether voluntarily or involuntarily. Speaking of duality, imagination can also be dualistic, either conscious, unconditioned, free of subjectivity, lucid, clear, pure, or it can be mechanical, negative, Conditioned, egotistical. Fantasy, daydreams, mental projections, etc. are precisely the negative imagination we all possess. It is conditioned perception. We typically experience negative imagination, fantasy, on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. This is egotistical. We are hypnotized by our minds. Imagining what we would have liked to say to that person who cut us off on the road during our drive to work. Visualizing what we would have said if we could just only have pulled up to the side of that person. What revenge we can get. Gratifying our anger, etc. We always get lost in associative thinking. Daydreaming about our family or co-workers. And not paying attention to where we are at or what we are doing. This is all mechanical. It is subjective, it is negative, and it constitutes for most people the daily state of affairs. Conscious imagination, on the other hand, is the ability to visualize during meditation any object we have decided to concentrate upon, such as a statue, a candle, a mandala, a stone. We concentrate on the object with our entire attention. Never losing our attention, focus on the object of our practice. And thereafter, we imagine it in our mind, our consciousness. We learn to see with our imagination the qualities of the image with perfect clarity, color, accuracy. This, of course, develops through daily discipline. Willpower, the magician, helps us to concentrate on a specific task. Imagination, the high priestess, grants us the capacity to perceive what we are doing. Together you achieve comprehension, the third arcanum, the perfected soul. The serpent biting its tail on the card can represent the moon, the lunar feminine forces, but also the Ouroboros, which is a Middle Eastern symbol of eternity and how the Divine Mother Kundalini, serpent, must swallow the soul. We must be swallowed by the serpent to become purified, so that our conscious imagination can be perfected. This is paralleled by Jonah being swallowed by the whale, since Jonah literally means dove in Hebrew, a symbol of chastity and the Holy Spirit. As described in the perfect matrimony, We must raise the serpent of Kundalini up the seven lower bodies of the tree of life. Malkut, Yesod, Hod, Netzach, 
Tiferet, Geburah, and Chesed, which respectively are the physical, vital, astral, mental, causal, buddhic, and atmic bodies. After raising the serpent of each body, we obtain an initiation of major mysteries, which are seven in total. The serpent in this card is also a moon, which has profound significance, because the moon relates to the ego, to defects, desires. This is where we get the word lunatic, someone who is influenced by the moon, by violence, by hatred, mechanical forces of nature. The moon is the ego, sorrow, sentimentalism, pain, suffering. Our habits are 100% lunar, mechanical, habitual, petrified in our psyche and our body. In this work, we must go against mechanical lunar behaviors so as to acquire solar intelligence, the powers of the being. The moon can represent mechanical imagination, truly identified as fantasy, whereas the resplendence of the sun is the perfection of conscious imagination. There is also a positive aspect of the moon, which is the Divine Mother Kundalini, but she has nothing to do with our inverted negative desires, the inferior aspect of the moon known as Lilit and Nahima. Devi Kundalini is the power that can liberate us from the inferior influences of the moon, the mind, from the demons or egos of Lilit and Nahima, which are two lunar aspects of degenerated psychologies. The serpent that ascends within the spine to victoriously swallow the soul is the Divine Mother Kundalini. The negative, devolving, degenerative, fallen serpent, the serpent of temptation, which leads one into the infra-dimensions, into the hell realms, is properly called the Kunda Buffer, the tale of demons which descends from the Cossacks through lust and fornication. The fiery serpents, or seraphim, that bit the Israelites in the desert, resulting from their transgression or disobedience to uh, Jehovah, these serpents, which punish the soul, are the inverted sexual fires of Kundabuffer, the forces of the ego, the fiery elements of lust and sexual desire. But to be healed of their degeneration, their perversity, to redeem their soul from the ego, the Israelites looked upon the serpent of brass of Moshe, Moses. Brass is an alchemical symbol. It's the union of the metals tin and copper, which represent man and woman. Through the fires of sex, of love, those metals fuse and produce the serpent of brass, the kundalini, which rises within the spine of the initiates, husband and wife. So in synthesis, this is how the moon is gradually transmuted, transformed into a sun. Or as uh, described in the Quran, Muhammad performed the miracle of cleaving the moon in half, which people, of course, interpret literally. However, when you know Kabbalah and alchemy, 
You see that any couple working in a matrimony can cleave the lunar ego in half to comprehend and annihilate it completely. This is the symbol of overcoming lunar mechanicity in order to be a solar adept through the power of the Divine Mother. The sign of Cancer reigns in this card, which astrologically relates to the powers of the moon, Yasod, vitality, conception, and reproduction, which are regulated by the cycles of the physical moon. We all know that menstruation and feminine sexual cycles are deeply related to the lunar phases, alongside the fluctuation in tides of the seas. The second arcanum of the Turo therefore relates to Cancer because it is a water sign, a moon sign. The sexual energies relate to the moon. The white moon is the Divine Mother. The black moon is Lilith, demonism, degeneration. Those who abuse the waters of sexuality end up devolving, developing incurable diseases such as Cancer. The sign of Cancer is also the sign of the scarab, in uh, Egyptian mythology, Egyptian terminology as well. This insect is said to be immortal because it constantly regenerates itself, creating new bodies, which break away from the old shells. This is a symbol of the regenerative faculties of sexual alchemy, for the soul learns to break free from the shells, klipot in Hebrew, the ego. We also know that the symbol of Islam is a crescent moon with the star of Venus. This indicates that we must work with the powers of the Asad, the lunar influence, through Venus, the star of love, the Divine Mother. As we mentioned previously, the supreme mantra of sexual magic is the Latin E-A-O. Ignis, Agua, Origo or fire, water, and spirit. These principles are represented by the three mother letters of Kabbalah. Aleph, air. Shin, fire. And Mem, water. The sound of the air or breath can also be represented by an H sound, the letter He. He, Shin, and Mem spell Hashem, signifying the name. When Jews perform certain prayers, they say, Baruch Hashem Adonai, Blessed be the name of the Lord, as a substitute for saying the unpronounceable name of God, Jehovah. Spell Hashem backwards, and you spell Moshe, Moses. So Moses is our willpower, our inner magician, who can raise the serpentine power up our spine through the merits and qualifications of the heart. By learning to control the air, our mind, fire, the emotions, and water, the sexual organs, we give birth to the womb of Hay, the Divine Mother, to the solar bodies of esotericism. You can also use the Hebrew Yod, Hay, Vau for the Latin E, A, O. The sacred name of God in Judaism is Jehovah, Yod, Hay, Vau, Hay. Yod is the man, He is the woman. Vav is the phallus, He is the uterus. 
So you can see that the alchemical science of Hay, the Divine Mother, is 100% absolutely sexual. Now we're going to talk about the Hebrew letter Bet and the profound meanings thereof. We've included in this slide an image of the Hebrew letter Bet with Krishna, who is the cowherd alongside the sacred Kaaba in the Middle East. Bet simply means or represents a house. And its calligraphy represents the two columns of the temple that we discussed. Bet is also hidden in the Arabic tongue as Bait Allah, house of God. A reference to the Kaaba or the cubic stone of Yasod within Surah 22, verse 26 of the Quran, which I will read for you. And mention, O Muhammad, when we designated for Abraham the site of the house, saying, do not associate anything with me and purify my house for those who perform tawaf, which are the circumambulations or circling around the Kaaba during Hajj, pilgrimage. And those who stand in prayer and those who bow and prostrate. What is the house of God? We can say it consists of the solar vehicles, which we create through alchemy. We've talked previously about creating the soul, the vehicles within the higher dimensions, wherein we can manifest the light of God, principally through the solar astral emotional body, the solar mental body, and the solar causal body or body of willpower. Bet, or the solar vehicles, are the Merkaba that took Ezekiel up to the heavens. Notice that the letter Bet is composed of three Vavs. The letter Vav is a straight line signifying a spinal medulla. Three lines means three spines, signifying the three solar vehicles we must create in alchemy, solar astral, solar mental, and solar causal bodies. Muslims circumambulate, circle around the sacred Kaaba in Mecca seven times. This implies the work of raising the sacred fire of Kundalini up the spinal medulla of the seven lower sephiroth of the tree of life, precisely through working with the house of God, the mysteries of alchemy, Allah Kimia, or Yasod. Al-Baqarah, the second arcanum or surah of the Quran, is the longest in that scripture. As we mentioned earlier, the second arcanum relates to the sacred cow, the divine mother who grants resurrection and life to our soul that has died to the ego. Krishna is the Hindu form of Christ, the Logos, the Divine, represented as a cowherd. There's a profound relationship between Krishna and the cow, Christ and the Divine Mother, the Divine Cow, Bakara. These aspects of divinity work together within us, especially in the advanced stages of the path. There are also many other interesting Kabbalistic words that begin with the Hebrew letter Bet, all which point towards the significance of generating and developing the soul. Bet El, house of God. Bet Seda, house of mercy. Bat Sheba, daughter of the seven. 
or the seven bodies of the tree of life. Bet Din, tribunal of justice, religion or karma, which are temples that literally exist in the higher dimensions and that which we can visit in meditation and in dream yoga. And then we have the word Elizabeth, pronounced El-Isis-Abet. El signifies God, Isis, the Divine Mother, and Bet, the house, the consciousness. Elizabeth was the mother of John, the sacred verb, or e e o u a m s the seven vowels, hidden in the name Johannes. And lastly, we have the word Bethlehem, house of bread, which we discussed already. The heavenly Jerusalem in the book of Revelations, as we see in this final graphic, represents the perfected soul. A house or a city built in a cubic shape. Representative of Yesod and Kabbalah. The jewels beneath the heavenly city or house, Bet, are the virtues of the soul, which are generated through meditation and alchemy. Bet, in Hebrew and Arabic, refers to the house of divinity, the heavenly Jerusalem, the solar bodies. This creation of the solar bodies is the mystery of Genesis, generation. The creation of the soul is known as Bereshit, and Kabbalah. Notice that Bereshit begins with Bet, the letter of wisdom. Our body is a house with the energies of spiritual realization in a potential state. The mysteries of the second arcanum are hidden in the Hebrew acrostic Bereshit, or to say completely, Bereshit bara Elohim, at hashamaim veat haaretz. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The Zohar explains that in the beginning should be read as in wisdom Elohim created. Beth represents the house of wisdom from which all spiritual creation emerges. So what wisdom does the Zohar reference in relation to the creation of this universe? The wisdom of our Divine Mother, the signs of alchemy, to retain the sexual energies of Tantrism and to never spill them. All of this is hidden in the Zohar's teaching about the word Bereshit, which discusses how, through raising the creative energy from the sexual glands to our brain, within sexual alchemy, we can create the soul. All of this is accomplished through chiseling and perfecting the heavenly house, the city of peace, Jerusalem, the cubic stone of the Masons. As the Zohar states, Zohar, radiance, mystery. Bereshit, in the beginning, first of all. Eheye, I will be, from Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Eheye, I will be, a sacred name engraved in its sides, which more specifically relate to the side of the cubic stone. Elohim, God, engraved in the crown from the Zohar. We spoke about the magician Keter, whose sacred name of God in Kabbalah is Eheye Asher Eheye. I will be what I become. 
or commonly translated as I am who I am. Eheye, I will be, is written on the sides of the cubic stone of Yasod, indicating to us the two energetic channels, Ida and Pingala, since we enact the force of becoming, of transformation, through working with the caduceus of Mercury, as we explained previously in our first lecture in this course. Elohim is written on the crown of the cubic stone of Yasod, since when the sacred fires rise from sex to the brain, when the kundalini reaches the pineal gland, the Divine Mother below unites with the Divine Father, the Holy Spirit, or Jehovah Elohim above. From the Zohar, Asher, who, a hidden treasured palace, beginning mystery of Reshit. Asher is the Holy Spirit who puts into activity the creative principles of the Divine Mother in sex. This is the beginning of Reshit in Genesis. The Zohar continues. Asher, Rosh, head, emerging from Reshit. The words Rosh and Asher have the same Hebrew letters, but they're in a different order. This signifies that the power of the Holy Spirit, Asher, who, and Kabbalah, must rise from the sexual glands to the brain, to unite in the head, to form Reshit, the beginning, Genesis. The Zohar continues. When afterward point and palace were arrayed as one, then Bereshit comprised supernal Reshit and wisdom. What is the point in the palace? The point in Kabbalah is Yod, the tenth letter, referring to Keter, as well as the creative sexual energy within the point, the sperm, the ovum. The palace is the feminine sexual organs of Bet, the house of God. Obviously, by combining the sperm with the ovum, one creates a physical child. But in alchemy, the Yod is conserved and the solar house is built within oneself. This is how one creates in the beginning with wisdom, signified by the Hebrew letter Bet, or as the Zohar more accurately translates, the opening of Genesis, in wisdom Elohim created. The Zohar continues. Afterward, the color of the palace transformed, and it was called Bait, house, while the supernal point, we can say between the lines, the energy of the semen or ovum transmuted, was called Rosh. Since when you transmute the energies of your house, your bet or sexual organs, you raise it to the brain, the head. Merging in one another through the mystery of Bereshit, when all was one in one entirety, before the house, bet, was inhabited by the Logos, our being. You see that the sexual organs is our house, our bet, wherein resides the creative energies. The word for house is bayit. Combine that with rosh, the head, you spell bereshit. Through the alchemical science of transmutation, the Divine Mother raises the energies from our sexual glands of our bet to our head, our rosh, in order to spell in the beginning. The Zohar finishes. 
once it was sown, or raying habitation, it was called Elohim, hidden, concealed. Meaning, once it was sown, or raying habitation, when the solar bodies are created in alchemy, it was called Elohim, hidden, concealed. El is God, masculine. Eloah is goddess, feminine. Yod-Mem is masculine, plural. Therefore, when man and woman unite sexually, they form a terribly divine god and goddess, Elohim. In this way, the house of the soul is created, a reigning habitation to be filled by the incarnation of the being. But all of this is hidden, concealed. Because when you practice alchemy in secret, and because the solar bodies are hidden within yourself, except for the eyes of the spirit. So behold the mysteries of creating the solar bodies within Genesis and the Zohar. A very deep wisdom. To receive the bread of wisdom, the word, the Quran, the recitation, the verb, we must first build our solar vehicles. We must create a house in which the being can manifest and inhabit. Through alchemy, the sexual act in which the semen is conserved, transmuted, we give birth to the solar vehicles. We raise the kundalini up the spine of the lower vehicles of the tree of life, the physical, vital, astral, mental, causal, buddhic, and atmic bodies. These are vehicles of materiality. They exist in the higher dimensions. We have to raise the kundalini up each of the spines of each vehicle, which in us, the lower quaternary, are lunar. We have to create superior bodies that can transmit the light of divinity within us. Nature gave us vehicles in order to exist in the physical plane and in the world of dreams. What is commonly known as manasa rupa, mind-body, and kama rupa, body of desires, respectively being the lunar mental and lunar astral bodies. The lunar bodies are the vehicles of the ego. They're controlled by the mechanical forces of nature. As we've discussed many times throughout our lectures, we must free ourselves from this lunar influence in order to become solar initiates, beings who are not controlled by the demonic forces of the inferior worlds, the lunar worlds, the klipot. Those beings who follow the lunar path of black magic also are swallowed by the serpent because the Divine Mother in hell, as the kunda buffer, swallows her own children with a lot of pain to help disintegrate the ego in those regions. This is the path of spiritual failures. But when we raise the kundalini in the perfect matrimony, we are also swallowed by the serpent, but in a positive way, in a revolutionary and Christic way. In the solar path, we acquire knowledge of ourselves. In the lunar path of the devolving serpent, we do not. If we do not free ourselves from the lunar vehicles, specifically by creating the solar bodies and disintegrating the totality of the ego, it means we will be swallowed by the moon, the lunar serpent, within the infernal worlds. So to escape that fate, we must create a house for God. We need to build the solar house in which the being can live. Because if the being were to try to enter within us without solar vehicles, we would be annihilated. That is how powerful the vibration of the being is. We cannot incarnate God now precisely because our psychological house is in disorder. 
We all know that we possess many defects. Each defect is autonomous and in conflict with the others. There is no order within the mind, as uh, Gurdjieff and Ospensky taught in the Fourth Way School. Our house is filled with many people, many minds, with their own thoughts, agendas, preoccupations. Or as the Gospel state in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 13. My house should be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And what is this house? Is our body. We're in the ego acts. I remember when I was meditating on a retreat, I fell asleep with my back to the floor. I was performing the Viparita Karani Mudra from the Sacred Rites of Rejuvenation. In the experience, in the astral plane, I found myself flying towards a house. I was holding the hand of my physical mother. I felt excited and urgent. I wanted to show my mother the contents of my home. But when I peered through the window, I saw crowds of kids and people. They were listening to very loud music, getting drunk, swearing, screaming, causing a lot of obscenities. They were pushing into each other so hard, I thought the walls were going to break. It was such riot and disorder, I had to go back. I thought to myself with a lot of horror, I'm not going to bring my mother in here. This is nuts. Thereafter, I awoke. I returned to my body. I realized afterward that the house and my experience was my mind, my bet. And all those people in the house were my own egos, my defects, my desires. I wanted to bring my own divine mother into that house. But I realized I can't when it's filled with such disorder. I must clean my house first, psychologically speaking. This also reminds me of another experience where I invoked the master Samael and Vior. I was near the side of a road in the astral plane. He came down as a lightning bolt, which of course terrified me tremendously. You know the power of a lightning bolt when it strikes near you? Well, this was a more powerful because the being, the solar divinities are overwhelming terrifying infinite even he spoke to me in one sentence with a lot of severity your house is a mess he was indicating that I need to clean my house up of ego to comprehend and annihilate the ego in meditation that was it I returned to my body and uh, I was very humbled so you see that in order for Christ to enter you, you must clean your bet, your house, first and foremost. Cleanse it of any disorder. Since that lightning bolt of divinity cannot enter within you without solar bodies. And to create the solar vehicles, you must practice the perfect matrimony and work very hard in the disintegration of your defects. Otherwise, when Christ emerges, as some island viewer did in the experience, you'll be annihilated. Christ spoke in parables about the Hebrew letter Bet and the need to construct the solar house, the solar vehicles, through the path of initiation and resurrection. We heard him, the solar Christ, say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. From the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 58. The following verse is from the book of John, chapter 2. Verses 19 through 21. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, 
It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of Bet, the temple of his body. So in synthesis, if the ego does not die completely, we cannot obtain absolute perfection and the resurrection. When our physical body shall die, then we shall resurrect within the being to be fully united with divinity. So we must learn to build our house upon the rock of Yasod to create our solar vehicles through the perfect matrimony, the signs of Yasod. Otherwise, we will end up as failures. From the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, Yasod, the foundation. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock, the philosophical stone of Kabbalah. And every one who hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, meaning of beliefs and theories. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. We're going to end this lecture with two practices you can use to comprehend and experience the mysteries of the second arcanum. When you awake in the morning from sleep, and if you still have time before engaging in your daily responsibilities, and especially when you've just come back from a dream, continue to lay in bed. And with your willpower, concentrate to remember your experiences. Perhaps you were in another country, in the astral plane, in Egypt, another planet, and you want to remember and even return to those places immediately. So imagine what you experienced, the specific place or the scene that you just left. Imagine it in detail. Imagine that you were actually there. As Samael and Vior wrote, don't imagine that you are imagining, but actually do it. Be concrete and vivid. Actually see yourself hearing, seeing, touching, and walking in the place you were just at in the astral plane. Then when you fall asleep, with your willpower and imagination in vibrating harmony, you can experience samadhi. You can return to the place you just experienced, particularly if you lay still, relaxed, and unmoving when you first wake alongside your strong concentration and vivid imagination. Personally, I've done this many times when I wanted to return to a specific place I just visited in the astral world or to return to an ordeal the masters were giving me that got caught prematurely by me returning to my body and which I wanted to go back to and continue. Therefore, when waking, I lay in bed and I concentrated on the experience. I imagined it and fell asleep in order to relive and return to the experience I just left. Remember that concentration is willpower, the magician card. Imagination is clairvoyance, the high priestess. Together, you produce Arcanum Three, the empress, comprehension, insight. This is why in this tradition, we work with so many concentration and imagination exercises, so that when we uh, are in meditation and dream yoga, we become very skilled. Concentration and imagination can be developed by taking an object and focusing attention on it. 
thereafter visualizing all its details. This strengthens our capacities for perception, and it helps us to awaken consciousness, to make it strong, robust, trained from dream yoga discipline. So when those faculties are strong, you will easily return to your prior experiences through this practice. Another practice you can do is meditation and prayer for the Divine Mother. These are a series of prayers and mantras we will uh, do together today. The prayer is as follows. Be thou, O Harit, my secret, the Gnostic mystery of my being, a central point of my connection, my heart itself, in bloom on my fertile lips made verb. Up above in the infinite heavens, in the profound height of the unknowable, the incessant glow of light is the naked beauty of Newt. She reclines, she bends in delectable ecstasy to receive the kiss of secret fervor of Harit. The winged sphere and the blue of the sky are mine. We then pronounce the following mantras. O, Ao, Kakof, Na, Konsa. Harit is the masculine aspect of the Holy Spirit, Abba Elohim, or Shiva. Nut is the Divine Mother, Aima Elohim, and Kabbalah. Shakti in Hinduism, who receives the secret kiss and fervor of Harit, her Divine Husband. You can perform this prayer and mantras and meditation, or especially in sexual alchemy, sexual magic. To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at ChicagoGnosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagognosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace. Thank you.